Welcome to the Achieve Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Feldman, and each month we explore the research, strategies, successes, and even the failures behind some of today's best fundraising and marketing for causes. As we explore each one of these, we'd like to invite different types of guests that will explore their own unique takes on what really works today, and will leave us a little intrigued on what they're working on for the future. This podcast is supported in partnership with the Festival of Children Foundation. Well, I'm excited to introduce to you Amanda Alampi. Amanda is the head of social media at Amnesty International. I got to know her from her work at Sunshine Sachs, where she actually worked with us closely on our program called MCON. She's been leading a lot of social media efforts for a very long time with a lot of big clients helping them figure out how to, in the social issue and social cause space, get their message out there and build the movement that we all want for our causes and issues. Amanda, it's so great to have you on. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. All right. So I have to tell everybody, we've known each other now, I would say for a little more than a year, probably almost like a year and a half-ish, because you were at Sunshine Sacks before this, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Give me the, for those that don't know, the whole, not just that, but let's talk about Amanda's story. So fill me in. How did you get to kind of where you were with Sunshine and then obviously now what you're doing for Amnesty. So give us the whole Amanda background. Cool. So, um, you know, when we were back in like 2009, when the stock market crashed, I was trying to find a job and I just wanted to be employed. Um, and so I um, stumbled upon a job listing that talked about social media and, and using a Twitter account, which at that time was something that was new and different for people, but was kind of bundled in with like everything else in communications. And so I essentially made this trade with um, someone at the Islamic Center at NYU. And I said, well, I can help you learn how to use Twitter if you teach me how to use, you know, speak Arabic. Um, and he thought that was like an easy trade because he wouldn't have to pay me. Um, and what happened from there was I realized that I was very passionate about finding a way to use social media for social good. And I was studying policy at the time and working as a journalist and all these things kind of collided into this career in social media consultancy. So I started off my career just working with whoever would kind of take me and listen to my elevator pitch, um, whether that was a New York City comptroller, a vegan restaurant, small nonprofits, and ultimately led to a contract over at the U.N. Um, very short stint there. And um, I realized I wanted to get paid every two weeks um, and <laughs> not worry about, yeah, and not worry about my bills. And I met the team over at Sunshine Sachs and they are a full service communications firm. Uh, they're, they're known for PR work and, and that's really the core of their business, but they were developing a, a digital shop there and we, we made another bargain. I feel like a lot of my life was around these kind of trades. And they're like, well, you can come work for us and we'll pay every two weeks. Um, and I said, that's great. And I'll teach people how to do social media. And so I led up their social media for social good work uh, for four years where my clients were nonprofits and NGOs, um, celebrities that cared a little bit more about their cause than their next big album and doing corporate philanthropy as well. Um, and then recently I made the move over to Amnesty International USA um, to lead up their social media work here. Um, so working day to day with activists and human rights defenders um, and helping them amplify their stories online. So it's been kind of a wild, wild ride, but um, I, I consider myself to be very, very lucky to get to do what I love every day. And you're being paid every two weeks. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a always thing. a plus. <laughs> yeah. Especially for millennials to make sure that I got money in the bank. <laughs> That's right. So we'll talk a little bit about, uh, give us a sense of like the footprint and the whole social media landscape for Amnesty, because obviously we know this big organization doing incredible work, but I mean, what did you walk into? What's the social media footprint and everything happening at Amnesty? You know, it's really interesting. The USA work um, in particular has a very large footprint. Um, we're talking about, you know, particularly on Twitter, millions of followers. Um, but we're having um, these global conversations because it is a movement worldwide. So you have people who are really excited about issues in their hometowns, and we're balancing that content day to day. Um, you know, things like like lethal force, things that are happening in their communities, um, and then we're also having these really global conversations around the refugee crisis, the uh, the death penalty, and it's a really interesting balance of um, young activists like our Tumblr and our Instagram account, and then older activists as well on platforms like Facebook and Twitter who have been really in the work and in the movement for a long time. It's also a member-led organization. So day-to-day -day on social media, I'm balancing reaching new audiences and bringing people into the conversation and into the movement, um, but also catering to these people who are working locally on the ground and using social media to further causes um, affecting them every day. So you got to tell me what's kind of like the best part and worst job of managing all of this social media for Amnesty. The, the best part of this job is that um, you're really close to the work. Um, I do a lot of training for activists, both within the organization and within our membership. Um, so I'm going to do a lot of that this fall, traveling around and doing digital activism trainings um, and teaching people how to use social media for social change. Um, the worst part is that um, it's a big volume of work, right? Human rights are being violated all over the world. And um, it's very hard every day to like decide where to, you know, like when to say no, um, when to put that content off farther down, because there are people in jail all over the world right now that we're working to free uh, with local organizations. And so it's really important to kind of balance that on social media, right? And on a daily basis. That's crazy. And I, I suspect also the internal challenge that you may have, which is what do I put out there now versus yeah. holding? And, and I'm sure every staff member is like, you should promote this for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. My my first day on the job, I was like, OK, cool. Like, I have a lot of clients again all of a sudden. <laughs> they happen to all get the same paycheck from us. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, all right. So let's talk about social media in general, because obviously you've been at it for a while. Think back to the early days from that one time that you answered that ad to kind of where we are now. What kind of still surprises you a little bit about social media in general? So this is something I actually talk a lot about with my class at Fordham. Um, so I teach uh, in their new media department. I teach social media for undergrads. And, and we talk about the mental social media really have not changed. Um, a lot of our work is still anchored in storytelling first. Um, people want to hear individual stories. They want to know how to take action. And, and so the kind of the core of what we talk about on social media and the, and the means that we do to get there are really the same than they were six, seven years ago. Um, so the, the 
kind of tactics we're using, although they've become more sophisticated and we have more design work and we have more tools available to us. It's really fundamentally about storytelling. And I think that surprises me on a daily basis when I'm looking back at um, how our posts are performing or about what our members want to hear more of. It's they want to hear people's stories. And I think that's the, the thing that makes social media so special is that it's really just anchored around around sharing stories and and helping people and taking action around those stories. It it feels like we're moving beyond, right? We've had these conversations around social media where, um, and I get this all the time as a a researcher and and in the books and all the other stuff I've done, which is, Derek, you know, what can we do now to just get that next edge in social media? It's like this infatuation with it. And there's a fear, like a FOMO, that they're missing out on something. And I, and it's, it's so interesting. Yeah, like they're totally missing out. That's right. Yeah. Like where is that coming from? And are, are are we going to get past that to, to a different stage with social media? Yeah. I think that, that, that FOMO is really at the core of it when we're having conversations. And I I remember meeting with clients or, um, you know, meeting with new people in the industry is like, is like, what do we do? How do we get that edge? And, and the interesting part is I think actually going back to basics is where a lot of people really do get their edge and, um, can beat out their competition. And a lot of time in my work, particularly around my agency work, my job was to help an organization compete against their frenemies, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. people established in the space who are doing it better, faster and smarter. Um, and how do we compete with them? And a lot of times we were just going back to the 101, right? Like mm-hmm. making sure that you're incorporating holidays and days of awareness, that you're not skipping Halloween, that you're not forgetting about Day of the Girl. Um, and those were the moments where people were really breaking through. And then kind of like I was talking about with storytelling is that a lot of times we were having these like really offline conversations about um, how to compete with their competitors or feel like they're not missing out on what's cool is that like what makes Snapchat so exciting is that it's around this idea of disappearing content. That's something that we all are familiar with in different ways, um, like Polaroids and memories are all kind of, they feel like they're disappearing, right? So like, let's build content around that idea. And so a lot of my work over the past few years is reminding people that um, social media is just a tool, um, It is, but it's fundamentally still communication. So we need to strengthen up our infrastructure. We need to think about our campaign and not worry so much about not being on Snapchat but more why we're using Snapchat and why are our competitors doing it and how can we uh, use this tool as a better means of an end, right? So um, a lot of my work is actually when people are like, I just want to like, I want that viral video or I want to be on that new platform. I'm like, okay, let's go back to basics actually. And those are the people who are doing really smart work is that they're focusing on the fundamentals of communications and doing these really comprehensive big campaigns, right? Like the Ice Bucket Challenge was good because it was simple. Um, there wasn't any flashy bells to it, right? Like it wasn't like a multi-million dollar campaign, but it was something that was easy for people to interact with and they understood it on a fundamental level. So that light lift actually was what made it viral. So when people have FOMO, I actually tell them that don't worry, like A, everybody has it. And B, like let's go. You're not alone. Yeah, totally. You're not alone. And B, like, let's find a really great communications campaign and elevate it on social media or take that really simple idea and focus on it. And then we'll be able to, you know, compete with your competitors and blow them out of the water. Yeah. And well, I I think that there also is probably a a sense and it kind of gets 
to my next question around the money raising part of it, because you will hear, right, some media outlet talking about, oh my gosh, you know, blankety blank just raised $900,000 or the ice, all of that stuff. And so there's this sense, wow, I can use this great storytelling tool to potentially raise money. But I mean, what's your take on it? And what's your, what's been your experience in the whole raising money part with social media? Oh my God. I think it's some of like my daily life on social media. <laughs> these questions are on like, how can we make money and how can we make it now? Yeah. And I feel like I'm constantly in this balancing act of saying, okay, what are your short-term goals? What are those markers we need to hit um, and make you that $50,000 or $100,000 on Giving Tuesday? Um, but also... Um, how can we have a long-term fundraising model where we're focusing actually more and what we do here at Amnesty is focus more on the ladder of engagement. Are we giving them all the tools that they need to understand the issues? Um, Are they um, joining our email list? Are we building a relationship with them through our field organizers and then moving them along to become a a dues paying member, right? Like that fundraising piece um, alongside these smaller pushes. Um, And I think a really great example of one that I worked on where I was really excited about social media as a fundraising tool was working with an organization called Homeboy Industries. Uh, They are out in LA. They work with formerly incarcerated gang members and and kind of help them um, re-enter. And um, we did a really great Giving Tuesday campaign with them. And I think the reason it was so successful is that it it really came from staff voices and the people that they were serving. Um, And then from there, we kind of built out a multi-channel, um, also intercommunications campaign where they were kind of seeing the same thing on social media that were they were seeing in their email marketing. And it ended up being, you know, with the right planning and time, a really successful campaign where social media was enhancing that storytelling. It was sharing those photos. Um, it was enhancing those calls to action because they were seeing similar stuff on social that they were seeing on email. And I think with the right coordinated effort, social media could be a really powerful fundraising tool because we're doing both jobs. We're educating people. And in many ways, people don't want to use the word indoctrinating, right? But we're right, like right. getting them into the field, like into the movement. And then at the same time, um, we're making those direct acts. And then the best part of it is that there's so many cool tools coming up, especially with um, Facebook building um, new fundraising tools within the platform. And we'll see a lot more of that in the next year from Facebook and in this experience where you don't have to leave Facebook to fundraise. And that's for me really exciting because we can have a conversation on one platform and then make that ask on that platform and receive the money on that platform. And that's phenomenal. That's really exciting yeah what is or something that you saw in social media where like boy that kind of just really missed the mark you know it's interesting because there's a lot of really good social media right now so I think it's a really um, competitive place particularly for the nonprofit industry Um, I've definitely seen lately, which makes me so sad about the refugee crisis, some organizations that are kind of reverting back to this um, like flies in the eyes, gloom and doom storytelling Mm -hmm. around refugees, right? Like they're focusing on the boats, they're focusing on the camps and um, the refugee story is so much more complicated um, and nuanced than that. Um, And I think it plays to that um, xenophobia when, when we revert back to those archetypes on social media. And sometimes I'm, I'm a little disappointed in, in, in organizations that are kind of reverting to that because they're using it to create urgency, right? Like right, the right. crisis is real. Um, but uh, you know, I like to look at it as a humanitarian crisis and a crisis for all of us to relate to. And it's not just these people on boats, um, wearing life vests, right? 
Um, it's more than that. Their journey is multi-year, their work um, to find a new home um, for many people is now going to span a whole generation. And I think it's up to us as storytellers and as social media strategists to find a better way to talk about the refugee crisis because it's our responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if somebody's out there, they're a social media coordinator at, say, a kind of small organization, um, what would you say are the three things you really got to do right? I, I think you need to invest in creative collateral and invest in those tools. And and that could be something as simple as like going to take a, an online class or um, getting a Getty package so you can use some really great photos. I think there's little hacks. You, you don't have to feel like you need to know InDesign to do great visual storytelling. And so I, I think now more than ever, especially because Facebook um, and some other platforms have openly said that they're investing in things like video um, mm-hmm. and you'll see more video in your newsfeed. It's more important as a as a day-to-day social media manager even to um, be equipped with those tools. So I think that's one piece of it. Um, the second is um, use the people within your organization as allies. Um, some of the best work that we're doing right now is um, where I'm bringing in the field team or I'm working day to day with our development team to understand their, how fundraising works offline and how we could do better online. Um, those people are going to be your best friends um, in as a social media manager. They're the people you're going to pull the evergreen content from. They're going to be the people who really help you understand the programmatic work that you're doing and it'll make you a better community manager. Um, so that's like two is like you find your allies within the organization. And then three is I'm not below the Robin Hood theory of stealing from our competitors <laughs> and finding smart ways of um, one upping them. Right. So people are doing great work out there. Take that as the example and then build on top of it. So there's been plenty of times and I tell my students this at Fordham all the time, you know, like. You don't have to have a million dollars to do great campaigns. You just have to have a really great idea. So a lot of times I'm looking to other organizations to see how they're telling stories differently or um, how they're packaging creative and then like building on top of that for ourselves, right? And saying like, that was a cool idea. I'm going to steal that and I'm going to do it better. All right. So five years from now, what are we, what's the conversation going to be like around social media? Give me, give me like the crystal ball looking into it. What do you think is going to happen? The crazy part of this is like it's so hard to predict right like yeah. I could have never guessed five years ago that uh, first of all that I have a job full-time in social media I'd still be doing this today <laughs> but like let alone like what the industry would look like and what the tools are that we have um, I know everybody's talking about VR and AR so yep. virtual reality and augmented reality um, we know from um, the big dogs as I call them like the Twitter Facebook Google um, group that they are investing in this heavily um, as a means of storytelling. And um, I'm excited to use that. I know Amnesty International, um, other country offices are using it as a way to immerse people in storytelling for fundraising um, right in our canvas on the streets. And they're doing some testing around VR, which is really exciting. Um, the, the other big bucket, actually, which for me is um, even more exciting, is that I think a lot of it will still be the same, except um, more people will be able to understand these tools. Like we will have a whole generation that um, has grown up on social media. And and I hear this a lot. 
my Fordham class is like they a lot of it feels like no duh for them because they they've had a Facebook account for 10 years, which is really crazy. Um, and so you'll have a whole new generation of people that you'll be talking to that you won't have that big barrier of what is social media and why is it important. Um, we're going to go like right past that and we'll be able to get into the work a lot quicker. And that is really exciting for me because that's always the, my biggest barrier, whether I was on the agency side or in-house, is just educating people 101 about social media. And I think in five years from now, we'll be very, very far along in that work. Excellent. Amanda, thanks so much. This was great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this Achieve podcast. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes or Podbean so you can hear whenever it's convenient for you. For more information on Achieve or this podcast, visit www.achieveagency.com.